A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest is from London in the UK. She's a mother and an award-winning author. She started her journey as a traditionally published author, but has since dived into self-publishing. As a reader, she's head over heels in love with romance, historical fiction, crime fiction, African-American suspense thriller genre books. As a writer, she enjoys creating stories with diverse and multicultural lineups. When she's not reading or writing stories of her own, her other passions include practicing her French, astrology, fashion, makeup artistry, drawing, and spending time at her sewing machine, dressmaking. Ladies and gentlemen, we have author Kim Knight with us. Kim, thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. So when did you begin writing? When? Oh, my gosh. When wasn't I writing? Um, always. <laughs> I've, I've, I've kind of, I was a big reader before um, I was a publisher, I should probably say. Um, but writing for me, during school, as a youngster, I've always, always enjoyed it, but I probably didn't start taking it seriously until probably my late 20s, early 30s, um, when I signed my first publishing deal, but it wasn't something that I always wanted to do. I didn't, you know, grow up thinking Mm. I want to be a writer. It just, it just, it just happened. It just happened. Something that I really enjoyed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so so when did you get your first publishing deal? This was probably, uh, how old was I? Probably 2000. No, the book was actually published in 2016. So it must have been about 2015, um, mm-hmm. around then. And yeah, it just, it just went from there. It just went from there. It just kept going. I'm now on book 10. I just realized over the weekend, <laughs> about to pen number 10, <laughs> because I haven't been keeping count. You know, it's not really some, some writers, they might keep count and be like, oh my God, I'm on book this, book that. But I honestly, I haven't. I've just, just gone with it. And it just suddenly dawned on me. And yeah, I was like, wow. Writing. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. But enjoyable. So yeah, definitely. So that first deal. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? How did you go about getting that? Was it the the old school way of sending out, reaching yeah, out to agents first? You How'd you go believe. about it? Yeah, it was it was it was old school. It was literally um, sending three chapters out or sending you know whatever it was at the time that the publisher might have wanted, and um, I was really surprised. <laughs> I was really surprised because <laughs> first of all, you never think it's going to happen. First of all. And you get you get so much rejection, but 
that particular um, first book that I actually did that I was um, that I sent out, I got a few rejections, but not as many as I got for others, for example. So I was really, really surprised. And um, they took it. They said, yeah, okay, we like it. Uh, Send us the whole thing. And it kind of just went from there, really, with that particular publisher. Mm. It went from there. That was it. Just took off. But then after that, you know, I kind of, I, I parted ways with that publisher and I continued to, Still right, but obviously I delved into self-publishing as well, which I must say I really, really have enjoyed. Um, I like the freedom of it. I like doing things the way I want to do it. I like not telling me what I need to do, how I need to do this. And, you know, I like having the whole full control. But um, mm-hmm. it, um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a task, basically, if you're going to self-publish yourself and if you're going to do it well, you know, as in, like, take the time to do it properly. I mean, I think self-publishing is a great thing and I think it's good for all of all writers if they want to go down that route. But there's certain things that must be done properly if you're going to end up with a good end product. And I think sometimes mm. writers are so quick to think, okay, for example, um, my book that's coming out next week, I, I, I am self-publishing that, but I, I wrote it in November. But just because I wrote it in November and I completed it in November doesn't mean December is ready to publish. Do you see what I mean? So you have to make sure that you right, take the right, time, right. that you get a good end product. And I think sometimes um, that's what can, that part of the process can sometimes be overlooked. You know, that's the only thing I would say. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so break down that process a little bit more for those writers out God, there the that are starting out. In... <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> so I break mean, down um, the process. Like, yeah. what steps specifically are you talking about? Okay, well, obviously you need to write the thing first of all. You need to have you know get your your story or you know whatever it is that you're writing done. Um, I would then say that one of the most useful things that you can do is probably put your work out to be um, I like better red or beta red depends on where you're from how you pronounce it i'm british so i say better red i don't know what you americans may say you may pronounce it differently but put it out to put it put it out there but don't put it out there to like your friends your mom your dad put it out there to people that don't actually know you and get some honest objective feedback and i think this is something Mm. where some writers may be a little bit nervous to do first of all because you feel nervous to share. You don't know what people are going to say. Secondly, um, sometimes it can be a bit difficult to hear things that you don't want to hear. So that's that's part of it. Not everybody's going to love your work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's good. Absolutely. That is, yeah, that is the first step for for really growing your writer's skin. You know, realizing that not everybody's going to feel what you've written, and so what? There will be people that do, but definitely put your work out. Get some objective feedback and take what's important or make sense to you and leave the rest. I'd also say as well, make sure you've got a decent editor. Again, not your mum, not your dad, not your friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Someone who can actually, you know, from their professional point of view, they can actually seek to improve your work well. Make sure you've got a good editor behind you. Um... And once you've gone through that whole process there, then really you can start to think about, you know, getting cover design and all that kind of stuff. Or you can do cover design whenever you want. But I would just say one of the most important things is that 
quality control aspect, making sure that you've got rid of your plot gaps, you know, making sure that it's formatted well, you know, all the basic things that us writers are going to get correct anyway, if you want to call yourself a writer, is what you need to make sure you've got executed well before you upload that manuscript onto onto Amazon. That is what I would say is the most important thing. And then once you've done all that and you've gone through all that process and it's up, then obviously you've got the other side of it. You've got the marketing side of it as well, which can be really time consuming and sometimes people don't know where to start. Um, I'd say with marketing, <coughs> what I've learned is places like Facebook and Facebook groups and so forth are quite helpful. Like if you join a few, but what you may find mm-hmm. or what I have found is that a lot of the time you're promoting to other writers in the group. <laughs> you see what I mean? Because every writer right, joining right, that right. group to, to promote their work. So try and think outside of the box as well and find other ways to sort of like get your work out there. Make sure you've got yourself an author site, a decent author site. Like uh, it doesn't even have to be an expensive one. You can use like a WordPress one, but just make sure it's like decent so you've got somewhere to for people to find you, you know, your social media, your Twitter, whatever it is that you feel comfortable using. I mean, I'm not a big social media person anyway, but at least have some form of social media and um yeah that's that the main thing for me i would say is getting your your manuscript ready as a finished product you know just because you've written it and it's done doesn't mean editing goes on for it's an ongoing thing you know you have to really really work on that part that's just the thing that i would say because i think that's where um, the loophole for quality control is in self-publishing because if you don't have a publisher behind you who will do all that stuff for you, you've got to do it yourself. And sometimes it can be hard to know where to start, who to go to, how to do it. And so you think, okay, I'll do it all myself, proofread it all myself, da 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 da, da. But No matter how many times you proofread it, there will still be things that maybe somebody else will notice that you haven't. So for me, in my mm-hmm. experience, I would personally say, you know, if you're going to self-publish, the quality control part is really important. You know, like I said, I I, I wrote um, Chances in November for National Novel Writing Month. Like I did the challenge and I knocked it out, but there was no way it was ready. I was going to put it up in December. You know, it, I was giving it, you know, the time. Right. You see what I mean? So that's what I mean, <laughs> if that makes sense about the process <laughs> you don't have the publisher behind you with the editors and everything else to you know polish up your work you know it's normally like left to them they'll give you the edits you'll you'll go over it you'll, you'll accept what you think is good or you reject whatever but you have someone to work with you but when you're self-publishing it on your own and um, you could be tempted to kind of corner cut a bit and I would say don't mm. just don't it's just not worth it you know, and it doesn't mean that you have to go and find a really expensive editor either. You know, it just means that you have to find someone decent who is going to be objective and who isn't a family member or a friend. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So what um what 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 is your process of, of finding editor? How what draws you or attracts you to an editor? Um, when looking for, the, for your book 
I would say the first thing is you have to gel with the person. Yeah, you have to gel with the person. You have to, they have to be able to understand, excuse me, your style of writing. And they have to understand um, how you want the story to be told. Because ultimately the editor is there to try and improve your work, but they shouldn't really be trying to change your voice or change your style. For example, I've had editors tell me, oh, because for example, I'm, I'm a fan of writing in first person or writing in the present tense. And I've had editors have tell me, oh, but you know, Kim, in the romance genre, you know, it's normally third person past tense. You shouldn't write like this and da-da-da, you have to change the tense. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. This is how I want to tell the story because this is how it's coming from me. So I think it's very important that you get a good editor match. <clears throat> Secondly, someone who is skilled, you know, and not just after your money. For example, um, who I've used, I really, really do recommend her. Um, I actually, she found me in a, well, we found each other, we should say, in a better reading and critique group on Facebook. She off, she offered to better read my work. Because remember I said, when you're getting ready to to publish, um, put your work out there to, to a stranger. Yeah. So I joined the group, said, okay, so I've got the story, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Would anybody want to be, would anybody want to read it? And she offered, but I didn't know that she was an actual professional editor. I just thought she was just like a normal person who just, you know, was just in the group who offered to um, better read author's work. So she took right. my work and she she gave me like, she took like, I think something like the first 10 pages of the first couple of chapters to see if, you know, if it would be, if it would be a good match. And when she sent me back my work, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is really good. But I was, I was really happy with what she'd done. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. Like you, you can read your work so many times to a point where you start reading what you thought you wrote or what you want to be there. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? And it's not. This is why you need somebody else to take a look at it. And when Brooke, her name's Brooke Baker, you'll probably find her on Facebook. When she took a look and she was like, okay, she sent me my work. I was like, damn, okay, she's good. And she actually really, really <laughs> loved my work. Like, we, we get on well. So I would say someone who is, you know, can pay attention to detail, good attention to detail, someone who's a good match with your own personal style and who's not going to try and get you to change what you've written um, to suit them or because they think that this is what's going to sell or because they think that this is what is normally done, you know, to a a certain extent. I mean, there are rules that you have to follow, but if you want to tell a certain story a certain way and that's how you want to put it across, so be it. Yeah, and those that are trying to tell you to do it differently, not for any other reason, for the fact that they think that that's how it should be done. That's not the end for you, Mm. you know? Um, so get someone who understands your style, really, and reasonably priced, and you gel with, I would say. <laughs> someone that's really, really skilled, you know, skilled. Yeah, right. Yeah. If that makes, if that, if that's helpful. That's what I'd say from my experience, yep. you know, from my experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what about your cover designers like do you use the same cover designer um, do you use different ones i see you have multiple books i've used different ones actually for my books that have been self-published i've used different ones the one that i used for um chances of puerto, a puerto rican love affair that's released next week was 
by a different girl than I used for the others. And um, again, you know, when you look for them, I think I just put a shout out on my page <laughs> and just said, who knows, like a good designer or, you know, what have you, something like that. And I had, you know, quite a few people um, say, okay, I could do this, I could do that. And again, I had an idea of what I wanted the cover to be like. So for me, um, I was, I kind of gave each person or each designer that responded a brief and see what they came up with. Obviously things like prices and that stuff comes into it as well, but I was mainly looking for someone who understood what it is that I, I want. I think that's the thing with me. If I work with someone, I need them to understand what it is that I'm, my vision, do you see what I mean? If they can, if I can verbally tell mm -hmm. them or write it down for them and they can produce something that makes me go, wow, okay, yeah, cool, then I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> so back to, back to when you were writing, you talked about when you uh, got your first deal and you dealt with rejection from other companies. Mm. What kept you motivated to keep writing through, through those rejections? Because I, I think this is where um, writers who write because they just have to and writers who write because they want fame and fortune, I think this is what separates us. I think if you're just doing it for the wrong reasons, like you just you want that massive publishing deal and you want, you want all the fame and fortune that comes with it, I think you could easily get quite quickly dis discouraged when you start getting the rejection. But what kept me going was because of the fact that I wanted to do it. I had stories to tell. Um, the rejection wasn't really phasing me. I was just like, I'm just going to keep keep going. And, um, yeah, it's something that I just felt like I had to do. I just felt like it's something that I just wanted to do. It was. It's never really been about, um, you know, the fame, the fortune, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is just like bonus. Not even, not even like titles or awards or all that kind of stuff. It's all they're, they're just all just bonuses for me. It's the actual craft, the actual art of it, the actual being able to put on paper the characters that come to you, the storylines that come to you, the plot twists that come to you. So it's more about the craft for me. That's what kept me going. Obviously, there were times where you where I did get. <clears throat> disencouraged, discouraged, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like, what's what's the point? But then you open up your manuscript and you read over your work and more inspiration comes to you and you just keep going. That's how it was for me. You just keep going. Mm. And I just think that if you're doing it for the right reason, um, you will you will naturally want to keep going, you know? You're not just going to give up and think, oh, it's, it's never going to happen or what's the point or why am I doing this for? You, you, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you'll keep going, you know, you'll keep going. And if you have self-belief, right. like if you have self-belief, if you feel confident in what you write <clears throat> and why you write, you'll just keep going. You will just keep going. Mm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of awards, you mm -hmm. actually – you won Best Romance 2017 title for your book, A Stranger in France. Yes, I did. What was that feeling when you won that award? <laughs> oh, my God. 
to this day, I still can't even believe it. I'll be honest with you and say, <laughs> oh my God, like if you could see my actual um, expression now, it was, the nomination was enough to reduce me to tears. To actually even be thought mm. of or considered was enough to me. First of all, when I found out that I'd been nominated by the awards company, I wasn't even in the country. I was actually traveling and I didn't know. Oh, wow. Um, no, I, I had no idea. Uh, a author friend of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, she contacted me and she said to me, <laughs> she said to me, you know, you've been, you know you've been nominated, you've been nominated for awards. And I was like, no, like I'm, I'm checking through my emails, you know, like when the plane lands and all your alerts come on your phone and stuff. I'm checking through my emails, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, 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 go, go look on Facebook, go look on Facebook. I'm like, no. So as soon as I was able to like navigate through the airport and everything and get to like, a, just, just sit down for a moment, like I checked and I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe it that someone, you know, that panel, that awards body had found it and put it up. So for me, the feeling is, is very humbling and it was very um, emotional for me because mm. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I just could not and I still can't believe it that I was, to even be thought of, to even, you know, have to battle it out with votes by readers and stuff because you know to get a spot because it was like um the top top three and I think I missed second place by like a couple of votes but I'm not even upset about that the nomination was enough you know but it is such it's a really really nice feeling and it's um it was emotional because for me I was just like wow something something I put together you know a plot that I put together something that I worked on has been recognized a lot of a lot of writers say oh, I want to be a bestseller I want to be a bestseller for me I'm happy being an award winner you know I will happily scoop up the, the awards right. <laughs> over bestsellers <laughs> I'll scoop them up one by one trust me I would I that's my kind of you know happiness for me um it's a beautiful feeling and it's, it's it, you know it's very humbling at the same time and I can't, I can't even explain it. I still can't believe it. But yeah, there you go. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> it happened and I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> and it threw me into a state of panic when I got off the plane. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I still can't believe it. <laughs> I really can't. I still can't believe it. It's, it's the, the nomination is enough. But I would have been happy with that. You know, even if I didn't, if I didn't get a spot, even if I wasn't, if I didn't, even if I didn't win an award, I would have just been happy with the nomination. Um, but yeah, it, it happened. <laughs> and I can't mm. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so you got, ten, you, you've written 10 books. Yes. Well, I've got, well, I'm um, on my 10th and not all of them has been published. Okay, this is, yeah, this is where it gets interesting because sacrifices that I got I opened my email a couple of hours ago sorry you have to excuse me now it's coming up to 4 a.m now and I'm starting to flag a bit but um a couple of hours ago <laughs> a couple of hours ago when I opened up my email and received a really really nice response from a publisher over sacrifices that one hasn't been published yet 
also um, Chances, the Puerto Rican Love Affair, which is out on the stick, is up on Amazon. But I crossed last year, I crossed paths with a really, really, really beautiful soul, um, a guy called um, Michaelos. He's um, a romance author, um, a male romance author as well, which is pretty cool. And he has kind of set up his own publishing house and this kind of thing. And so I've done an anthology with him and four of, I think there's five of us, five of us together. Mm. That will be released on the 28th of February called uh, Blinded by Love. So that's something that's also not up on Amazon as yet. But yeah, if you include those. And also, oh my gosh, it's been a busy year. <laughs> Myself and my avatar. Yeah, I see. Yeah. yeah, so far, we're only in February. Um, <laughs> my co-author, we we've done it. We've done an anthology together as well called the Suspenseful Collection. The Suspenseful Collection. Sorry, I can't speak properly. 4 a.m. Um, which which is up on Amazon, but we're actually working on book two, which we have together, and now we're going through the editing process and all that kind of thing. So there's actually three works that are due to come out between now and April, which would make up ten. You know, so I'm, well, I'm on my tent mm. now, but those three are not up on Amazon as yet. So I'm so excited and busy. <laughs> yeah, busy. <laughs> so speak, speaking of being busy and writing those 10 books, uh, how do you stay consistent with the with, with writing? Because as you know, you see so many writers drop one book and mm, then hear course. nothing from them. So yeah. how do you stay consistent? Yeah. Well, you've got to make time to do it, you know, just like an entrepreneur, you know, like an entrepreneur who's working a nine to five at the moment and really wants to have their own business. It's no different if you want to be a consistent writer. You might be doing your nine to five, you know, <clears throat> Monday to Friday, but between six and ten, you're working on your book. You know, that entrepreneur is working on their business plan. Really, you've got to um, make the time to be consistent. I actually took a couple of years out of writing because um, I moved and you know, had some, some big changes around the home like I moved. So my last published book was like 2017. And so it wasn't until like 2019 I really started to get myself back together and get back into it. But I would say generally you need to make time for it. Try and do a bit every day. Like some writers give themselves word limits or word count limits that they want to do and small targets to do each day or, or each week. That can be helpful. But at the same time, that can be stressful because you feel as though you've got to do mm. this today, tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. I just say make time to do it. You know, write something every week, every day, as often as you can. Don't let it go weeks, you know, where possible or, or months without um, sitting down and working on whatever it is that you, that you want to work on. So that would be my biggest bit of advice. That's what I do. Just make time for it because it's the books aren't going to write themselves, are they? The ideas are just going to stay stuck in your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you want to do it, you've got to make the yeah. time to do it. That's it. There's no two ways about it. No two ways about it. And then again, you know, have, you have to remember that some people <clears throat> or some writers only have that one book. <laughs> In them, I'm, I'm sad to say, uh, some writers only have that one book in them and, and that's it. They, they, they just don't have the inspiration to, to write anything else. 
But if you know you do have the inspiration to write other things, just make time to do it. Just make the time. An hour here, an hour there. Just do it. Just stop thinking about it. Mm. Just get on with it. You know, just do it. Yeah. So, so in terms of writing, do you have a a certain setup you have when you write, or a certain I knew you certain were rituals ask me this. you have? <laughs> no, I didn't know this. Everybody asks me this. You know what? No, I, I actually don't. I think the I I'm a bit of a night owl. Like I've always found that I'm more um, creative the later it is. So I tend to write like in the evening or like early hours in the morning like it, it wouldn't be um what how can I say it's not like unusual for me to say probably write between midnight and 2am yeah so that's probably when mm. I'm probably at my most creative um when the house is quiet and you know I can really just sit down and get into it but in terms of rituals or stuff like that not really I just write when I want to write you know and I just tend to you know, have music music definitely helps as well I listen to all kinds of music sometimes because I'm quite someone who in my stories, like I do feature a lot of songs sometimes because I location write as well a lot. Like a lot of my stories are based in different parts of the world. So music can really give you inspiration as well. Like sometimes I might be writing a scene and it requires like, or for some reason um, there's music or whatever, what is, whatever's happening in the scene. And I might use the song that I hear on the radio at that particular time that I'm writing, that has happened to me before. So I think music really helps mm. <laughs> when I'm writing. But in terms of like <laughs> schedule or anything like that, no, I'm just I'm just someone who um, I'm more creative. The later it is, I'll be more creative. I might be more tired, but more creative. <laughs> so, so are you a, a pen and paper writer? Oh God, no. Phone, oh God, no. laptop. Pen and paper. Oh my God! Could you imagine? No, 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 no. And no disrespect to anybody that does use pen and paper as well. Like that's it's just I just couldn't do that. Um, I use I use a laptop. I just you know, standard <laughs> laptop that will do me good. Um, <clears throat> pen and paper now, nah. because uh, my typing speed's quite quick as well. So quicker than definitely quicker than I can write, mm. obviously. So it's, it's probably better for me to do on the laptop. Yeah like what you hear so far make sure you never miss an episode of the fiction addiction podcast by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show so you mentioned earlier that you enjoy writing in first person point of view Mm. what is it that uh attracts you to that style over let's say third uh well, well put it this way i can do both Let's get the record straight. I can do both. I can do first person. I can do third person. But depending on the story, um, sometimes I might pick a first person or I might pick a present tense. But what does attract me to first person is I feel that I'm able to portray the character a little bit closer. Um, for example, the book I'm on now, is, it is, this, is, this is actually not a romance. This is a crime thriller. And it's the character, the female character, she is, um, how can I say, she, she's not that stable. 
put it that way. It's, <laughs> it's a lot easier and a lot better, I think, for me to really um, character develop if I do it in first person, depending on the character and the story. Um, so that's what really attracts me to first person, I think, because myself, I find myself jumping into the role of the character and thinking like the character, like completely removing myself and just thinking how they would. Um, so that's why I enjoy yeah. it. I also think as well as a reader, I really enjoy it as a reader because I'm a massive reader. And like before I really took writing seriously, I ran a book club for five years and like I'd read like two or three Oh, really? Books. Yeah, yeah. I ran a book club in London and with me up in um, Waterstones, uh, one of our biggest chain of bookstores and it's got like five floors or five levels of books. It's like, it's a beautiful place. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's, it was like my favorite place. It's in White Bank smack in the middle of central London, the branch that we used to meet at. And so as a reader, I really enjoy the first person as well. I really, really do. So I think because my experience when I'm reading it, I feel like close to the character. I feel close to the action. I think naturally as a writer, I kind of just do it, you know, to kind of develop the character a bit more. <laughs> so I enjoy it both ways. I can do, you know, everybody can do third person, you know, past tense. That's cool. Um, but some, I find some stories for me, I'm called to write it a certain way. And if I am, I mm. do. I do. And I don't, that's it. I do. If that makes, yeah, if that makes sense. So how was it running a book club? Oh, it was, it was heaven. <laughs> it was heaven. Like I said, like, <laughs> I, I, I love books so much and I still am a big reader now. Um, it was just such a cool thing to do because I did it via, um, I don't know if you have this in the States, but it's called Meetup. Like it's like an online place where you can put like group meetups. And it was like, oh, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd have people from all over London Sometimes even um, people who are not even um, British, like they were just just here in London for you know a certain amount of time, just looking for meetups, would come and would join. But they're staying for you know a long period of time that they could read the book. So like if they were staying for like over a month, they'd read the book, come to the meetup, so forth. And I met some really cool friends through doing it, and it was something it's something that I would love to do again because I found the it was interesting to like read a book with a group of people and then everybody share their opinions and their views on it as well. But it wasn't like deadly serious. You know, you get some book clubs where, you know, it's like deadly serious. Everybody sat around really stiff. We would laugh, we would joke, we would drink our wine, you know, because it was like, it was, it was for girls as well. So it was just like a girls group. So it was like a bunch of girls, cool girls would just meet up, um, have Saturday, Saturday lunch or Sunday lunch, whatever, we'd meet around lunchtime. We'd have our wine, we'd have fun, and we'd talk about the book, and then we'd meet up the following month. It was cool. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Really nice. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> so you also mentioned um, co-authoring a book. Did you guys? How was that? How was and how did that come um, about? Okay. Well, I've I've done this a few times, you know, but this. This um for this year I've like my um the first time I really did it properly uh was when 
I co-authored this Sensible Collection Volume 1 with Didi, Didi Ovia, now she's a fellow suspense author from the state and we just crossed paths via blogging, just being blogs, blogging. Um, she read one of my books, I couldn't believe, I didn't know she was reading one of my books, she actually, she read the book that I won the award for, she loved it, she did me a really positive review and I was like, oh that's really nice of her. Then I read one of her books and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, she writes a lot like me. <laughs> like I could recognize my own writing style. <laughs> it's not even funny because it's you got to the point where, like, you we I read her work and I was like, what? Like it's very it's very very similar. Yeah, very very similar. And it's not like a. Mm. Um, I was shocked, but it was cool. So we started like a blog challenge where um, one of us would start a story. No, this is how it went. We'd put out a poll to our readers, say, which writing prompts should we use to, to write a short, short story? One of them would choose, or a group of them would choose, and then we would, one of us would start the story, and the other one would end it. Now, whoever started the story would not tell the other what it was about or anything. They'd just write half a story, email it to the other, and she'd finish it. Okay, so we did that <laughs> as like a blog challenge and it got really, really popular. And like we both loved it because people were saying like, you can't tell who has written what, but you do, you are told where oh, wow. the story's cut because it would be like all for one, scene one, then they, that she would write the first part, then you'd see all for two, scene two, and she'd write the end of the story. So you would, you could see where the story had cut. But you, you wouldn't know who wrote what. The only thing that could really tell us apart is our spelling, because obviously I'm British and she's American. But we got around that because we decided, OK, we're either going to write this story using British spelling or American spelling. So you still couldn't tell who, who wrote what. So in the end, we took those mm. stories and we um, extended a few of them and we published them. And then we both took a break for a bit. Like I said, I had to take a break from writing for a bit and Dee Dee had some stuff to do and she was working on her own book. So she put out a few books of her own <clears throat> through her publisher. Then we came back together. We got about a handful of stories together, I think about maybe six. And then we just decided, you know what, we're going to go back for it. We're going to go back and we're going to do it this year. And so we're going to release and um, we're going to self-publish together the Spencer Collection Volume 2 in April. So working with her, it's been really, really positive because not only have I gained a writing buddy, you know, someone who can critique my work and she can critique mine, as I was saying, putting your work out there to other people. I gained like a really cool girlfriend as well because we're actually properly friends. Like we, we talk to each other. Sometimes we'll get on Skype and be like, okay, we're going to talk about work or the stories and we'll just end up talking about something else and then have to go because we've both got kids we've both got schedules <laughs> and like I'm like nine hours ahead of her I think eight or nine hours ahead of her so <laughs> right, right. it's like it's like trying to find another spare hour where we can both talk you know and actually talk about what we're supposed to be talking about so she is um <laughs> a beautiful soul and she's so funny I swear to god if you if you if you um ever do co-authored work with anybody make sure you get on with them, you know, and make sure um, that you, you gel. So it's been positive with Dee Dee. With um, the other guys for Blinded by Love, 
Now, this is the first time I've done it in a bigger group because there's five of us. So this experience has been really, really positive because, again, we're all in different different areas of the world, different parts of the world. I'm the only one here, like in Europe, but the rest of them are all in the States. And um, Michaela's lives, uh, Larico and Jay Daniel as well. They've all been called to work with. This project um slightly different, though, because the the actual publisher owner or publishing house owner, um, Michaelis, he gave us all a writing prompt um, and said, OK, put your own creative spin on this. And the writing prompt was um, when love goes wrong. So you've got five different stories by mm. five different authors uh, across five different genres <laughs> who have all, you know, used their own creative <laughs> spin. And I can't wait to actually get the full manuscript together myself, because so, obviously we, we're all going to get a copy to prove you to prove and make sure we're happy with it. I've got the titles. Like everybody's title is so different. You've got like um, two sides to a cheetah, which is by Nicholas himself. You've got from Jamaica with love, which I've written. You've got travel love by Liz Liz Maverick. You've got lethal love by uh, Larico, and Jay Daniel he wrote um, stock. Stopped in a love triangle. So you, you, can you imagine five different writers using one writing prompt with their own creative spin? Um, and so I'm looking oh, yeah, forward to cool, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So judging by the titles, I can't wait to see what everybody's done, you know, and what kind of genre they've come up with, what kind of story they've come up with. So, yeah, so that's been a positive mm. experience. And um, We've kind of formed like a family. So again, I'd say, you know, if you're going to co-author work with anybody, whether you do it in a big anthology with five or more of you, um, or you do it in uh, like just two of you or, you know, whatever, however you do it, just make sure that you gel with the people that you work with, you know, and that everybody's, everybody's working as a team um, as well, I'd say. I mean, I'm a big team player anyway. You know, I'm someone who enjoys group activities, working in the team, it's not a thing for me. So, yeah, just make right. sure everybody gets on. But it's been fun. It's been fun. I would do more, you know, I would do more collaborations like this. Um, you know, if it was the right genre or, you know, the right opportunity, I would do it. But, um, yeah, just keep making sure that you stick to deadlines the only real challenge because I almost pulled out of this <laughs> because <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah I almost pulled this this one here blinded by love like I said to um like you know what I'm really really sorry but I think that I might not be able to make it and he's like no no you have to make it and surprisingly enough somehow I found the time to get a short story in um so yeah it's it, obviously you're working to somebody else's deadline you're working to the publisher's deadline too you know what I mean and it was it was over Christmas as well, so um, yeah, just make sure you can you can meet the deadlines. But it's fun, it's fun. So speaking of uh, genres and different genres, mm. um, obviously you write crime, romance. Mm-hmm. Which genre do you think has your heart? Which one is oh, God. <laughs> the one you love writing the most? <laughs> Well, okay. Well, technically, yeah, I, romantic suspense and crime thriller. Yeah, they're the two things that I love. Um, oh, God. What a question. 
this is like asking me, like, do I want to keep my left arm or my right arm? This is like, which one do you want, kid? Right. Um, um, big. Um, do you know what? I like I like them equally both. I really do like them both. But I think, um, oh damn, you really are asking me to like cut off one of my my arms here. So I'm, I'm going to say, like, I just I just can't do it. I can't make a decision on that. I can't call that. That's like, come on. I can't call that. No, I can't do it. I can't. They're both, they both, um, sit, you know, they both have a place in my heart. I think right. my, my, my talent or my skill, whatever you want to call it, is, 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 as a writer, I think is basically, you know, good plots, fast-paced plots, plots that have twists and turns and suspense. And I think that's why naturally I can do, you know, romantic suspense and crime thriller, you know, what I think quite well. Um, but that's why I'm drawn to it because that's the kind of thing I like to read. That's the kind of thing I like to write. But they both have a place in my heart. But I think at the moment where I'm at now, headspace wise, I'm definitely in the mood to write a crime thriller. I've written so much romantic suspense and I've got a crime thriller open on my laptop as I'm talking to you now, <laughs> which was my very, very, it was like my very, very first idea ever for a book. And I've had it for years. And you know how many times I've rearranged this plot and I've not been satisfied with it. And now I've just, really? yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've rearranged it so many times, um, you know, to, to, to be happy within myself. And I'm just, at a point now, I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go back to it. But in, in a way, I'm so glad that I've left it this long and left it like these good few years because I feel like I'm going back to it a lot stronger as a writer. And I know if I if I tried to um, finish this up, you know, probably a couple of years ago, I probably wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have a, a good end product as I probably would now. So I'm happy that I've had that mm. that that break. So I'm definitely I'm definitely in the mood to go back and um, work more on you know a crime thriller plot, plot than a you know romantic suspense plot. <laughs> I'm gonna have a break. <laughs> I'm gonna have a break. You know, I'm, I'm I'm yeah. I'm gonna change switch gears for a bit. Switch gears. I feel like killing someone. <laughs> you know, I feel like bumping someone off, killing someone. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna go for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's and it's funny because readers always joke about that like as soon as they fall in love with a character the author kills them all yeah. so how like how entertaining is that to you like writing um, and you know yeah oh yeah this, i'm getting rid of this <laughs> it is it can be quite funny because like i actually oh i don't even know if i should really spill the beans but you know i i um <laughs> Should I, I spill the beans or should I not? No, I'm not going to spill the beans too much. But yeah, readers who, I, I do feel for readers who get attached to characters and they end up dying because, you know, I, I have done something very, very similar. Um, and I think that's just that's just how it goes. You know, sometimes they got to go. Yeah. Sometimes you got to yeah. them off. That's just it, you know. That's just People how it goes. Go. People got to go. You know, you've got to make room for other things. But um, yeah, it happens. It happens. It happens. You know. I mean, it, it depends how it happens as well. You know, if it's um, unexpected, it can be quite like, oh, that was really, really cool. Like I didn't see that coming in the plot. 
you know, but sometimes right. if you're really, really, you know, attached to someone, you don't want them to go. And it's like, well, is it even worth you me? Really break your heart. Yeah, <laughs> break my heart, you know, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> That's how it goes. You know, it happens. <clears throat> but I don't do it all the time. You know, I don't, I don't do it all the time. I don't, to be honest with you, like, <laughs> I don't do it all the time. I think I've done it recently and I won't say in which book. Because uh, then I'll spoil it. <laughs> if anybody does want to go out and read anything of mine, <laughs> but um, yeah, they had to go. I had to bump them off. They had to go. So, is there is there a genre you haven't written in yet that you you're thinking about in the future that you're interested in? Erotica. <laughs> it's so funny you should ask me okay. that erotica because I, that genre is like my guilty pleasure to read. Like, I, I just can't get enough of it. Like, I don't know if it's the dirty mind in me or what, you know, but I am really, so if it's written well, like some really, like some erotic books can be written really well, where like sex isn't just right. the, the driving point uh, or the main story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, I have thought about it because I've had a lot of feedback because with my stories as well, especially with my romance stories. They are steamy. Like, my characters are going to do more than hold hands and walk in the park, yeah? So if you're someone who <laughs> is offended by that, then I may not be the writer for you. But they do, they do, you know, they get it on. Um, and so I've had feedback that, you know, that my scenes can be quite well-crafted. So it's kind of made me think, oh, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could write, like, an erotica. I wonder if I could do that. You know, I wonder if I could write, like, a whole... Um, maybe like a short stories, book of short stories or whatever, but it has crossed my mind. Yeah, it has crossed my mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what my mum would say, but, um, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you, you also mentioned your books take place in different locations around the world. Yeah. What, what is the process of choosing which location you're going to write about? Um, do you know what there is no real rule I follow as as long as it's somewhere nice warm hot exotic um because (laughs) you know the the romance set in paradise series um that I'm working on my idea or vision for that was just to have exotic nice hot sexy places around the world so like the first book Mm -hmm. Havana He is set in uh, Cuba Havana Cuba obviously then you've got Lover's Retreat, and that was actually set in um, Thailand. And Thailand, I, I don't even know why I picked Thailand. It just looked like a really beautiful place. When I was flicking through, like, pictures online of, um, like, exotic beaches or, you know, just trying to get an idea of where in the world was, like, a really nice place, and Thailand came up. So I just picked them based on places that I've either been, places that I'd like to go, places that really look good, or places that suit the characters' um, backgrounds, you know? So, like, um, Chance is a Puerto Rican love affair is obviously based in Puerto Rico, and I put it there because it it um, it kind of blended with the background of the two characters, of the main people, especially with the male. Like, he is actually, that's where he was born, that's where he was raised. So it depends. Right. You know, it depends. But there's no real... No real method I follow, just wherever I feel like traveling to, wherever I feel like researching, wherever I feel like going, wherever looks appealing to me, you know, wherever looks like a nice part of the world. Yeah, we'll go there. We'll go there. That's it. 
<laughs> so when you're writing, when you begin your writing, how do you know mm. if it's going to be a standalone? Is, is it going to be a series? Like what, what, what's that process? Like, do you know from the beginning or do you, the story to take over? Personally, well, well, with the romance fit in paradise series, to be honest with you, I knew I wanted to bend to all be standalone stories, but all based in really, really nice parts of the world. Um, so that was an, an easy sort of decision for me to make. I just knew it wanted to be standalone. Um, but a series of standalone books, if that makes if that makes sense with that theme of romance fit in paradise. Right. With um series that follow back to back, to be honest with you, I don't think I would ever write one of those. Like a book where you've got book one, book two, book three of the same characters, same story, but continuing on. Does that make sense? That's never really, mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah. that kind of traditional series hasn't really ever appealed to me, you know, as a writer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and strangely as it may sound, it's never really um, appealed to me because I like to just get my plot done, round it up, bang, that's it, you're done. <laughs> Enjoy it, right? Okay, move on, right. right, kill a plot, that's it, bang, you're done, move on. It's never really um, appealed to me personally to create, you know, characters and follow them on. As strange as it may sound. It just it just hasn't not that <laughs> not that traditional kind of series kind of thing, you know. But um, so yeah, I think I'm I think I'm more of a standalone girl, to be honest. Standalone girl. <laughs> so your book, The Red Room, um, Romance mm. in the City, yeah, uh, book one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it says it says it's book one of the Romance in the City. That's right. Novella yep. series yep. of steamy and romantic standalone short stories. Uh-huh. You Obviously, they're all set in vibrant, fast-paced cities around the world. Uh-huh. And book one has Rita Lane in it. She lives a double yeah. life. Yeah. Her day job as a receptionist at a prestigious uh-huh. London Park Hotel. But uh-huh. by night, yeah. the adventure begins. Yeah. What that's... was the inspiration behind that book? Oh, my God. That was a good read. Very good read. <laughs> Did you read it? Did you actually read it? Oh, bless yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm glad you enjoyed it. Bless you. Okay, um, the Red Room. Okay, so the Red Room is the romance in the city series. So again, it's very similar to um, romance in Par- romance set in paradise, whereas I've put stories based in cities around the world rather than actual like countries. So New York, London, wherever. And the inspiration from the Red Room. <laughs> This story originally was part of an anthology that I took part in and um, I got my rights back from that particular publisher and I decided not to um, give, keep it with them and renew it. I wanted, I wanted my work back for myself because I just wasn't really mm. that happy. So the inspiration was the fact that I was, we had a writing prompt where the, the prompt was code red. Yeah. So obviously when you read the story, you, you, you will probably understand because one of the chapters is called R is for Red or R is for Code Red or something like that. I can't quite remember. I wrote it so long ago. And the inspiration yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the inspiration just came from um, being someone, obviously, from London myself. 
Um, I've always really appreciated um, pole dancers. I've always, a lot of people might think that they are, you know, they're cheap or, you know, they, they take their clothes off for money or whatever. I don't look at them like that. I think that they're really actually artistic, you know, and really skilled. And so I thought to myself, right, right. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, I'm gonna feature, you know, a girl who has this kind of skill in one of my books. And so I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching um, different, different, different pole dancers, different styles. And I did watch a lot of the girls in um, Atlanta. I think I think it's Magic City in Atlanta, like there's the the big um, popular strip mm-hmm. club. And so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my inspiration just came from, you know what, this is the writing prompt, co-read, write a story about a character who has red hair. So I was like, okay, cool, fair enough. Came up with Rita Lane and I thought, okay, what's this chick going to do? What's she going to do? How can I make her like into this like red siren? And I just thought, okay, this is this is it. She's going to have a double life. And that's, that's how she came about, <laughs> really. <laughs> that's how she came about. I enjoyed writing it. Um, and again, I would have loved to have made, made it longer. Um, but because, you know, I was bound to the publisher's, um, word limit because there were so many of us in that anthology. I think it was about 18, 18 authors. So we all had like a, Oh wow. Yeah. The big one, it was like three volumes in the end because there were so many of us, like you couldn't put all the stories in one book, like on Amazon, uh, at the time. And so, um, yeah. That's, that's how she came about. That's how Rita Lane came about. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you read it. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, <laughs> she, she's cool. She's cool. I like Rita. I think, you, you, you know, you're either going to like her or you're not, you know? You're either going to like the story or you're not. But I love her. I love her. And I just think watching the girls oh, yeah. at Magic City and also um, comparing them how to how... Um, the girls are in, you know, British strip clubs. They're very, very different. Very, very different. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, very, very different. I mean, what you read, you know, what I put in there is, is it, it's true. Like the girls in the state, in the in the clubs, are a lot more freer and a lot more. Um, I won't say talented, but they they're able to showcase their talent in a different way than British strip right. clubs. You know. So um, I appreciated watching them girls. I think they're talented. I think, you know, to be able to do all that stuff on the pole, I don't think that they're... they're oh, yeah, it definitely takes bad. skill. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> they've got... You know, some people might look at them and think, you know, I think good for you. Good for you. I, you know, if I was making that money from doing it as well, why not? <laughs> so that's... <laughs> you know, I don't, see, I, don't, I don't look at them. I think they're, you know, talented girls. So, um that's how Rita Lane came about. I needed some inspiration and I looked to Girls in Magic City. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. So so when it comes to your characters in this book, um, I noticed a lot of diversity uh, amongst yeah. the characters. Yeah. Um, how important was that for, for that in your book? It's always important to me. You won't, you won't find anything but a diverse lineup in my books, you, you, it's, it's very important to me because you have to represent the world that we live in, you know? And I think that with, with romance generally as a genre, I think it, it can lack diversity. You see what I mean? It can lack 
And so I like to be as inclusive as I can with all my characters. You'll find black, white, Chinese, Hispanic, and anybody in between. Like, it, it, you know, it's really, really important to me. And also, don't forget, I'm, for, I'm from London. So that's probably one of the most diverse cities in the world, you know. So it would be strange for me to keep my character line up all one race. When, when I walk out my front door, that's not what I see. You see what I mean? So it's mm. really important to me. Exactly. I think it's just, it's just, I just like it. And I like um, having different characters, you know, and being able to portray different characters and as a writer, you know, develop them in different ways. So yeah, you'll always find that in my books. Always, 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 always. I mean, no one should ever pick up something of mine and think, it's just going to be one dimensional because it's just not going to be like that. And I would, I would refuse to do that as well. I would. So, you know. So what, what, what also goes through your mind when developing your characters? Because um, the diversity in their race isn't the only thing that stand, mm-hmm. that stands out um, and stood out in this book. It was also the professions um, having yeah. Uh, the two male league, Richard and Dan, being successful yeah. men, but of two different races, one's black, one's white. How how important was that, too? Because that's not... Well, this is the thing. It's not I often mean, seen. No, this is the thing. I mean, with... um, Again, I'm spinning the beans, <laughs> okay? But with um the small publisher that I am working with, um, with Nicholas, okay, who's, who's, who's publishing Blinded by Love, for his label, I'm actually going to develop a um, series of books for su- of successful men. And when I say successful men, I mean successful white men, black men, Asian men. It's really important for me to portray men that are successful, you know, rather than just mm. how can I how can I say just um, you know typical or stereotypical, stereotypical, you know, or just I don't. I don't. I don't want to. Put, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I. I don't want to. I don't want to put down anybody who who likes to read that. I don't want to put down anybody who likes to write about that. But you know what? It's really not me. Like I don't enjoy reading it, and I don't enjoy um, writing it either. Like I like successful men as a woman standard. So I'm gonna write about successful men. I want to see successful men. I want to see men in suits. I want men to be accountants, lawyers, you know, in professions like that, because they, why not? Why not? I mean, it, it, right. you sound like you're surprised almost <laughs> to find that. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's rare. Um, unfortunately, yeah. it's rare. It's, it's yeah. like I made them so many, especially in urban fiction, so many people. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. First of all, I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed into like an, an urban fiction kind of book. Oh, not at all. Not but, at all. But I do yeah. get what you're saying. Like in urban fiction, there is, I think there's a lack of it. I think it's, it can sometimes be a bit one dimensional and that's not put down. Uh, it's just what it is. And maybe that's what readers who, who like urban fiction want. But me personally, as a writer, I can't deliver that because that's not, that's not really what I want to deliver. Like, I want my men to be successful. I want women to read my romances and aspire to be with successful men. I want their book boyfriends to be successful, that can look after them, that have money. Like, I'm not going to... I don't really want to be crafting 
you know, guys who aren't professional or who don't have the ability to look after a woman or, you know, buggish or that kind right. of thing because it's just not it's just it's not the kind of man that I would want and it's not the kind of man that I would want to craft. Um and even if he has that kind of background or he's come from that, because anybody who reads my latest one that's out next week, you will see that there is my male character is a little bit rough around the edges, but that's not where he's staying. Do you see what I mean? He's he's moving from that. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind crafting guys who are a little bit rough around the edges or they've had a bit of a past or they've had a bit of a background, but that's not going to be them. I like successful men, period. Right. <laughs> that's and, it. And, it's, I, it, and it, seem, yeah. and it seems like um, you can't find those type of men, and even some of the women sometimes they create in urban fiction stories you can't find that. So you have to go agree. to other genres like how agree. you write uh, just like agree. contemporary yeah. romance yeah. to find that. So why, why do you think there's such a lack of that type of stuff in urban fiction? Um, oh, damn. Without getting myself into trouble. <laughs> and say what I think. Oh, damn. What a question. Okay. Um... First of all, like, you know, respect for the genre, you know, respect for the genre, respect for the writers who are in it, respect for the publishers who are in it, fair enough, respect for the readers who like it, fair enough. Um, I think there's a lack of it because just people don't want to break stereotypes, you know, people don't want to break stereotypes. And sometimes I sit down and I think to myself, is it because I'm from a different part of the world? because a lot of urban fiction is mainly set across the States. And here in Europe, like it, um, maybe it's just different culture. I don't know, different culture, different expectation. But I do agree there is a lack of it in some urban fiction of, of women portrayed in a more professional way or a more nice way, or they're not seen as like some kind of $2 hoe or that kind of thing, or some kind of crackhead, or some kind of, you know, just some kind of girl that just really wants a guy with with money and she doesn't have anything else about her other than her looks, or guys that just treat women um, like they're just not worth anything. Like, I don't know, there is a big lack, and it does kind of need to change, but if if that's the genre, and if that's what appeals to that genre, or those readers of that genre, then you, you just have to respect that but if you want something different yes you are correct you're going to need to come out of that genre and read um a more maybe contemporary or mainstream romance author or a a crime crime fiction writer who isn't just who isn't strictly on the urban side um but it does bother me you know because of late i've been reading some um urban fiction and some of it i have really really loved and some of it I haven't, and um, purely because of the way things are portrayed. Um, but what I have found mm. is that I've enjoyed I've enjoyed urban fiction from authors who are slightly older as well. I think the 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 motives of the characters, and I think um, the way the men carry themselves, even if they are kind of thuggish, you know, that and they fall into that kind of box. Like I read a really really good book a couple of months ago where yes it had that urban fiction street lit feel 
that these men were professional businessmen, maybe dabbling in a bit of illegal right, activities, right. but they were the professional older right. men. And I found that as I've read through the genre, kind of over the last, say, I don't know, say six, seven months, the older the author, the more I can, I can kind of engage with it and from a personal mm. perspective. But yeah, there's a big lack of it. There's a big lack of it. And I just, you know, fair game. That's, that's the genre. That's, that's what the readers want in their play, but I can't and I don't and I would never and I don't want anybody to even sit there and think Kim would ever deliver something like that because it's just it's just not the genre that I write in. Even if um, right. I'm working with an urban, a small urban fiction publisher at the moment to do the Blinded by Love anthology or anything else that I might put out with under that, that label, which is which I said I'm going to try and develop a series of books where the men are successful, um, successful black men especially, um, or men of colour as the main kind of um, lead, you know, whether it be crime or romance, whatever whatever way I go, the men are going to be successful. Um, it's important to me. You know, I can't do the typical urban fiction thing. It's just... It's just not me. <laughs> it's just not me. <laughs> and in a way, it, it it kind of, it surprises me that you're surprised, you know? I, I sit here, I think to myself, maybe you expected typical urban stuff to come from me. Maybe. No, actually, like, uh, a lot of the authors I've been interviewing, they haven't been typical the typical urban fiction mm. at all yeah i don't think i think okay. only had one and she wasn't even like typical urban fiction you know what i mean yeah. so and, and that's interesting you said you talked about erotica because i interviewed a couple authors who their stories were like that like they had good stories it just mm-hmm. happened to have erotica in them and mm-hmm. it was so good you know what i mean so it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned that because even that genre is getting more uh quality content in it yeah. so it, it, it's attracting mm-hmm. a lot more readers a lot more yeah yeah definitely. So it's, just, it's just crazy yeah i mean <clears throat> excuse me you know some genres have um you know reps reps that go with them and stuff and yeah i would agree with erotica right. as well but sometimes people think that it's, it's, there's no plot there's no story there's no this there's no that it's just people basically mm-hmm. getting it on like you know well not all the time not all the time it is it is getting better and i would <laughs> i would like to you know i would i would give it a go um but obviously you know i always have a plot to it <laughs> rather than just being me yeah oh, absolutely but yeah i yeah i mean i, I also want to say i just hope that i haven't you know um anybody who enjoys the urban um genre you know it is a great genre and there are readers for it but it yeah it's like, i didn't i don't want i don't want to offend anyone <laughs> if that makes sense by saying oh, yeah, not at all. you know that it's it, sometimes the women and the men are not portrayed as positively as they as they could be and i, I think especially the men and the women of color as well um but that's just how it is you know that's just how it is it's, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to 
enjoy some of it, but some of it I do. You know, some of it I do, some of it I, I can't quite, can't quite engage with. You know, it's, it's hard to read or I just can't. It's just not, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so speaking about your um your characters from your, your story mm-hmm. i do this a, i do this a, depending on what the what genre people right but it's mm-hmm. gonna be a little different for you because you're over there in the uk so i don't know about like your your casting and movies and stuff so i just want you to picture the red room as being produced <laughs> as a film so we got Rita, Serena, <laughs> Richard, and Dan. Yeah. Who, who would you pass? Oh my as god! Those what a question. Okay, <laughs> it is like half past four in the morning. Okay, let me get my thinking hat on for this one. <laughs> just, just in case anybody out there listening, you know, who does want to take this manuscript and make it into a film, let me just pick some good actors. Let me just get it right. Um, okay, so. Okay, let's see, Rita. So Rita, Rita the fiery redhead. Um, Rita the fiery redhead. No, no, no. I'm gonna start with um, Richard. Okay, so I'm gonna start with Richard, the guy that actually, you know, has something with Rita. I would say for him, I would pick someone like who, who that you might know as well, as well being on your side of the world. Do you know, um... I know, right? <laughs> do you know... Oh, what's that guy's name? You've put me right on the spot now. Do you know... <laughs> do you know, um... Idris Elba? You must know Oh, him. of course. Everybody yeah? better okay, know cool. Idris Okay, But yeah, I would, I, would, I would put him up. I'd put him up um, for Richard. Richard's part. Or maybe no, Denzel's a bit too old for him. Idris could do a good job. Um, I'd say for Dan, he's he's like sidekick, he's um business partner. So let's see, Dan's got blue eyes and dark hair. So he could play his part really, really well. God, you put me on the spot, half past four in the morning. Um you can so who do you think could play Dan? Who do you think who do you think could play Dan? Reveal, and I'll tell you something. Look, look wise, I would say somebody like Zach Efron, but I think he's kind of on the younger oh, side. Oh, yeah, Zach. Zach, yeah, Zach is a little bit young, but that kind of look. Yeah, he looks yeah, a little bit yeah. younger yeah. side, but yeah, yeah. Zach is a little bit young, but yeah, that kind, that kind of look. Or um, who else we got? I can't even think. It's, it's the time. Time's just. I'm ready to kill it. I'm ready to fall into bed. But yeah, someone who someone who's got like a whole Zach look, or maybe even Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Justin Timberlake, possibly. Yeah, he um, can make it work. He can make it work. So you've got Idris Elba, you've got Justin Timberlake. Now, Rita, this is going to be the difficult one because she's actually a redhead. So the female will probably need to dye her hair because I can't think of any actual natural redheads to take to play this role for her. Um, but I would say who could who could perform this role really really well as an actress? Let's think. No, do you know who I would put put there? And this is going to sound really really strange, but purely because um, I know she's a good dancer, I would say Brittany. 
Britney Spears. Britney Spears? <laughs> yeah. Purely because, no, purely because. I don't, because think, the I don't think Britney Spears would say Britney Spears. <laughs> no, no, she wouldn't. <laughs> she probably wouldn't. But because of the dance aspect, because um, you're gonna need someone who could who can move at least, you know, even if it's chore- choreographed. Yeah, and that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you do have to get somebody yeah. that can actually so do some think, type of. Yeah, Britney. That's hard. Or yeah, but that, it would probably be quite difficult to cast Rita. Actually, might be quite difficult, yeah. um, because of that dance element. But um, she's the first one that came to mind because you know. Britney can move. Everyone knows Britney can move. She might not be able to sing great. Sorry, Brit. I love you a lot, but dance is your thing. <laughs> yeah. So I last but not oh, least, Serena. Serena. Um, Serena, her other receptionist, her girlfriend on the reception. So Serena is really blonde, right? From what I remember. Serena. Serena, 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 Serena. I'd probably pick someone who is not that well known to play her part, like an up and coming actress, because Serena's mm. part is not really that that much of a big part in the in the in the book. She's just like a her girlfriend. So Serena could right. be someone who's maybe an up and coming actress who wants a role, you know. Um, but with Pearl, the last girl, so Rita's co-worker at a second job with Pearl. You know who I'd choose for Pearl? Um, Taraji P. Henderson. Definitely. I'd pick Taraji. Mm. Yeah. I'd love her to play it. <laughs> mm. If I could choose, you're, you're like, mm, I'm not too sure about her. Who would you pick? Oh, that's good. No, that's good. That's I'd real good. Her. I'd pick her. <laughs> yeah, I'd pick her. I'd Taraji would kill anything. Yeah, I'd pick her. She, she'd be quite cool. She's the first one that comes to, to mind. But I think I'd have to definitely think about... Um, um, Dan, you know, because we've only got Zach, and Zach's a bit, bit, he's a bit young, but we could use Justin, and maybe, maybe Rita. Have to double think, double check on her. But yeah, Brittany will do. She can move. She can move. <laughs> so, do you see yourself diving into other uh, types of writing, like in terms of screenwriting, playwright? You see yourself doing that? Any of that in the future? I've never, I've never thought about that. You know, I've, I've never. Do you know what? I've never really thought of. It's funny because someone actually asked me this on Facebook whether I would would think about doing it or whether I want to learn how to do it. Um, someone who's actually teaching other people how to scream right, and I was kind of at the time I was thinking, mm, I'm not sure if I could really do something like that. Like, I'm not sure, really sure if if I could really, you know, move in that direction. But um, for now, I think I'm just going to focus on, like, fiction writing, knocking my books out and going down that route. I don't know if, I'm, if I want to jump into anything else as yet, because I feel like there's still so much for me to do. I've still got so many ideas in my head that I want to put into just, you know, general fiction books. But screenwriting, oh, yeah. playwriting, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about that. You know, I kind of just thought to myself, well, what am I happy doing at the moment? And what are my goals? Or what do I really want to establish now? Um, yeah. If that, <laughs> if, if that kind of helps or makes sense. Like, I, no, I haven't really yeah. thought in that kind of direction. But I'd never rule it out. You know, I'd never rule anything out. I'd 
you know, I'd give most things in life a try at least once, you know, so at least I can say, yeah, I've done it. And I like it or I didn't like it or what have you. But um, right. in the here and now, I think I'm just going to put my attention on my, on my, on my novels. That's where I see myself. <laughs> You're focused. As, yeah, as in, as in That's where I see myself now. So yeah, you know, <laughs> That's where I am. <laughs> That's where I am. So, 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 what's next for Kim Knight? Well, like I said, um, yesterday or a couple hours ago, whatever the time was, it's half past four in the morning. So please bear with me. I'm starting to flag now, and I'm tired. Um, I got confirmation <laughs> that I have been offered a deal on the book I wrote last year. Yay! That I thought that I was never ever gonna get a positive response. I know, <laughs> thank you. So I'm gonna probably be working on getting um sacrifices out and prepared through that publisher. And I've also um promised uh one one book to or signed one book with as I said the guys who are doing blinded by love. Um, so I said I wanted to do something with a successful man, get successful men out there. So I'll probably produce one for him, you know, see how it goes with his label. So those are the two things that are on my plate right now. And also um, with my other co-author with Didi, trying to um, finish up what we've got already prepared on the Dispensable Collection Volume 2 for an April release. So it seems like Things are about to get busy again for me. Just when I thought, okay, it might calm down a bit, you know. So that right, really, they're really the three things that I'm going to be working on now. I mean, I'm extremely proud to finally have secured something for sacrifices because that story means so much to me. You know, it was, it was. I just enjoyed, really enjoyed writing it. It's totally different. It's something that I've never really done before. I basically, I've, I've told the story back to front. The females are a lot older. Part of it is set in the 1960s. So, and it's set in three different parts of the world. So it's like a historical romantic suspense. And it took a lot, you know, it took a lot for me to get that penned. And I'm really proud of it. So I'm really happy. At this moment in time, I'm happy mm. that I've managed to, to, to get that project secured somewhere because I was just going to self-publish it. And, you know, I made a promise. Um, when I promised to my mom, I said, you know, I'll keep, keep um, submitting my workouts to publishers for at least a year till April 2020 before I give up after so much rejection. And I've got something within a year. So I'm, I'm happy. Crazy. That's dope. Yeah, I'm really happy. <laughs> but, you know, it, but you, 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 to get that one, you know, positive response, how many submissions do you think you've got to make? That's the crazy thing. How many right. agents do you think you've got to approach or publishers? Like I did a lot. I did a lot, a hell of a lot, you know. But hey, I'm just happy something came back. I you mean, said you got a yes. You got a yes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you only need one. You know that you only need That's one. It. Only need one. Only need one. So otherwise, I would have just self-published it myself. You know, it wouldn't have been a thing. But um. It, you know, I feel like I want a home, like I want to find a nice publisher that I feel like I can work with and build a relationship with mm -hmm. and, you know, keep putting my work out through them. And um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how big they are, you know, all that stuff's really irrelevant to me. It's just having 
you know, someone, some a publishing house that is really um, dedicated to their authors, you know, and right. you're not treated like um, you want to, you want to like some kind of treadmill. Do you see what I mean? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, just, just, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm happy with that, and for Solicon Publications with the guys I'm doing Branded by Love with. Um, I've completely let the cat out of the bag over what my idea is or what I wanted to work on. But yeah, I'm going to build up a series of um, potentially like um, black billionaires, you know, something like that, where all my male characters will be successful men of colour. Um, also, you have, you know, the multicultural side of it as well. Um, but I want to, something where the men are success. You know, I don't want right. to, yeah. That's what I want to be working on. Yeah, that's where I'm coming from. So, so tell tell the listeners where they can reach out to you at, where they can find your books at, how can they can get in contact. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, first thing to say is on release day on the sixth of February, um, two of my books will actually be free to download on Amazon. So if you head to Amazon, you will find there. You can just look for either Havana Heat or Lovers Retreat. Both of those will be free. And so will the Sensible Collection, Volume 1, on the 6th. And then on the 9th and 10th, um, two of my books will be free again. But if you want to stalk me, feel free to stalk me. Just go to kimnightauthor.com. Uh, my author site's there. Or you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just put my name in. I'll come up. <laughs> Kim Knight Author, I'll be there. <laughs> um, or you can, you know, like my Facebook page. I think it's Kim Knight Author UK. Um, Give me a Facebook like or Twitter at Kim Knight Author as well on Twitter. So yeah, that's all I use: Facebook, my author site, or Twitter, or Bookbub as well. If you are um someone who follows authors on Bookbub, if you just go to Bookbub and put in Kim Knight, then I will be there, and that's it. So for, yeah, stalk me by all means, readers. If you want to stalk me, stalk me and go and grab yourself a free book. <laughs> All right, Kim, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for this dope interview and dropping those gems for the listener. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.